The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Welcome to another Sox Machine 2022 season preview episode. I'm your host, Josh Nelson. And after previewing the Chicago White Sox infielders and starting pitchers, which you could watch those or listen to those episodes on SoxMachine.com, or you could watch the episodes on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash SoxMachine. For this episode, we are going to be taking a look at the Chicago White Sox outfielders, and we have seen flashes of brilliance from Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, but not over the course of a full 162-game season. And then there is the situation in right field, which we are going to have a lengthy conversation about in this episode Andrew Vaughn, we don't know his opening day status as he's dealing with the hip pointer injury as he was fielding too hard during spring training. Yet again, another spring training outfield incident for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and Rick Hunt acquired another quadruple A outfielder to help add more depth for the Chicago White Sox outfield, even though it's not very good depth. So who out of these cast of characters should we see? or expect to have the most starts in right field for the Chicago White Sox in 2022. We're going to try to answer that question because there's plenty to chat about when it comes to the White Sox outfielders. And joining me now is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast. It is Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. And uh, good to chat with you after the starting pitching episode, which we had our friend Janice Curio join me. Uh, mm -hmm. to preview the Chicago White Sox starting pitching staff in 2022. So I ask you, sir, when it comes to the White Sox outfield in 2022, what is the state of this unit? There's a whole lot of upside uh, when you look at all three positions around uh, the outfield, left, center, right. Nobody has truly put it together for a full season. Luis Robert has come the closest in terms of uh, scratching his offensive ceiling, but that was only the, over the course of a partial season. And there's probably more power and speed he can give uh, being fully removed from his surgery. Um, you know, Eloy Jimenez has had some, you know, stretches of uh, where he's been able to carry an offense, other stretches where he grounds balls to the left side. 
Andrew Vaughn was thrown into a tough situation last year, but theoretically has the talent to uh, be an above average uh, outfielder, at least at the plates. And you hope that he's not enough uh, of a liability in the field to really sap the value there. But I think you're looking at uh, an outfield left to right that is very good offensively, very talented, and, and a um, in a nice kind of talent too, to where like it's not samey. You know, you have uh, Vaughn who has the plate discipline. You have uh, Jimenez who probably is the best. I would guess has the biggest strike zone of all the hitters involved. And then Roberts, who, you know, we don't exactly know what his final form will be, uh, but has really made tremendous strides in the little time we've seen him. Just defense, I think, and health, you know, hoping that they don't run themselves into catastrophe in the outfield, I think is the biggest concern. Yes. Even though there's a week left in spring training, it was around this time in 2021 when Aloy Jimenez uh, tried to rob a home run, a meaningless home run, and really changed the course as far as his season. Thankfully, it did not impact the Chicago White Sox offense terribly, and it did not wreck the White Sox season in 2021 with Jimenez missing so many games. And when it comes to the Chicago White Sox outfielders, that is where we're going to start. We're going to go start in left field, move to center field, and then we'll end the conversation with right field. And for Aloy Jimenez in 2021, a reminder, in 55 games, which is the same amount of games he played in 2020, which was a 60-game season, Jimenez hit 249 with a 303 on base percentage and slugged just 437. He did hit 10 home runs and drive in 37 RBIs for the White Sox, but was worth 0.2 war, a pretty drastic drop-off in offensive production from Aloy Jimenez from 2020 to 2021. However, Zips is projecting a big season for, our, for Aloy Jimenez in 2022, in which his slash line is a 276 batting average, not expecting a lot when it comes to walks with the on-base percentage at 319, but expecting a big bounce back slugging-wise for Eloy Jimenez at 510, hitting 35 home runs and driving in 108 RBIs and having a 2.6 war season. We know about the defensive limitations, Jim, when it comes to Eloy Jimenez. I don't want to focus that conversation so much about his glove. Mm -hmm. I want to focus more about his bat because obviously that is where the value is for Eloy. And we did not see a whole lot of it in 2021. And it did present some questions. However, if he is fully healthy, if he has made the adjustments from not hitting the ball on the ground so much, we know that he has the potential to be an offensive monster. So in 2022, do we finally get to see that version of Aloy Jimenez unleashed? I, I want to say yes. And maybe I will. It just, uh, it, it, the way he's hitting in spring training is the way you want to see him hit like extra base power all over the place. Um, yeah. And it's, my only reservation is that like, you know, I, I feel a little bit silly basing my opinion off how a guy looks in spring training, because especially this spring training coming off the lockout, having an abbreviated uh, stretch for pitchers, not knowing exactly what their workload is. Like, I'm not exactly sure how to weigh a lot of good offensive performances up and down this lineup. So that's I think what's making me a little bit, um, yeah, enthusiastic about watching Jimenez's swings, and then realizing like, oh, this might be a completely warped 
uh, environment when you throw in the desert plus pitchers who might be behind and or or pitchers who might be protected mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot more of the fringe pitchers sopping up those innings especially early on to where like I don't want to be fooled by that, but when you look at what he did last year, and that was, you know, a, a different kind of forgivable form or like a, a, um, you know, a form you wouldn't count on him showing because he's coming off the injury. This is like a full standard off season should look better. So I think he can look like this. So I'm going to say yes, but I wish it were a normal spring. So I could feel more confident about like the guy he looks like right now, where he's lifting the ball. He's not striking out. Yeah. He's not out of control. He's not trying to do too much. This is the guy you want to see. It's just, you hope that it's not this weird spring training causing that. Will we ever get normal spring training moving forward? Cause there are some that are thinking the super bouncy balls are coming back in 2022 Jim. Mm especially with each stadium in major league baseball now having a humidor installed uh, maybe poses even more questions, but even I I, I think regardless with whatever baseball major league plays with that if Aloy Jimenez can play 150 plus games for the Chicago white Sox, splitting time in left field and DH, I think he's going to put up more than 30 home runs. And if the super bouncy ball does return Jim, I know I've said this in the past and I felt this way going into the 2021 season. No one in White Sox history has ever hit 50 home runs in a season. And I still think Aloy has that potential. Do you think he still has that potential? Or was there something in 2021 to suggest he's got power, mm-hmm. but he has trouble tapping into and even reaching his power ceiling? I think it's a little like that. like just the um, struggles he's had for stretches, getting the ball in the air, ball in air as you, um, I'm stealing your phrase here, but just, uh, I think he has a little bit of Jose Abreu in him in that like he's a well-rounded hitter who has a few different swings he can use. He can flip the ball to right field. He can cover the plate. Like he doesn't sell out the way like a, like a Nelson Cruz, you know, has that just tailored swing for, oh, good call. Uh, you know, crushing the ball over the left field fence and like opposite field homers or, you know, he can, he can, he's strong enough to hit them by accident, but doesn't have that kind of swing to where it's just like tailored for those, uh, you know, those flips to right field the way that Jimenez does. So that's, I think, when you factor in those two things, that's what makes me think like 40 homers would be impressive for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say like 40 homers, like 30 doubles. Like I think he would have extra base hits in other forms, uh, but he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to hit like 50 homers and 20 doubles. Like, I think he's going to have a different way to 70 extra base hits if he gets there. No Albert Bell type of seasons, Jim, 50 homers, 50 doubles. Yeah. <laughs> Just crazy. I mean, yeah. that's hard to do in video games, uh, let alone in real life against the type of major league pitching that everyone's going to be seeing in 2022. There are a lot of people around media nationally that think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be the home run champion, especially in the American League, but all of Major League Baseball. But Jim, there are some that are picking Aloy Jimenez to be their dark horse in winning the home run crown in 2022. And that leads to our over under. So if this is the first time you have listened to our season preview episode, we are doing over unders and the key white Sox players. So you can play along with us. And I'm putting the over under for Lloyd Jimenez at 35 and a half home runs, Jim. Are you going to bet the over that Jimenez can hit 36 plus home runs for the white Sox in 2022 
or do you think he falls shy of 35? That's a very good line because I had to think about this one for a while. Uh, and I think I'm going to say over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Nice. it almost feels like if not this year, then when? Like he had the, you know, he's had a couple seasons of, of start and stop and some stretches where it's, um, you know, injury got in the way. I think the only reason why I'd say like um, under is, is that, or, the, or, or what's pulling me under, I should say, is that, you know, he's one goofy uh, incident in the outfield away from like missing two months. <laughs> like it's just, he's a little bit of a risk to himself. So that's the only, uh, you know, that, that, that's a, Big consideration why you'd say under, uh, but I'm going to say like just talking only about his talent and, and where he is in his career. I'm going to lean more towards that and less towards the probability. I think he's more, if you simulate his season a hundred times, I think he's more likely to be under, but I'm going to say that uh, this is one of those instances where he's going to be over. You know, I'm thinking like 38, 39. Which is a great total, uh, especially within this White Sox lineup where you could have multiple guys hitting 25 plus home runs. And, you know, we're expecting Jose Abreu to hit 30 plus home runs as well for the White Sox. I think Eloy Jimenez is going to lead the team in home runs in 2022. So I am a for sure over. If I push this up to 39 and a half. Now I know you said 38, 39 homers for Eloy. Is that where you would go under? If I, if I push the home run total to 39 and a half. Yes, that'd be, okay. <laughs> I feel like that'd be getting greedy. Getting greedy. Okay. Well, for those that literally have money on Aloy Jimenez winning the home run title, uh, which there are many betters across the country putting money on Aloy Jimenez to win the home run title, he's going to have to hit 40 plus home runs. And I think it, it is doable, Jim. If you can play 150 games and avoid any type of nonsense injuries, fielding his position in left field, I think he's got an honest chance to hit 40 plus home runs for the White Sox in 2022, uh, which obviously would be awesome and a huge boost to already what could be a very dangerous offense. Let's move over to center field. And that is Luis Roberts territory. And in 2021, we missed Luis Robert for a while due to a very serious hip injury. And he was able to return to the White Sox and, Luis Robert only played 68 games with the White Sox in 2021, and yet he hit 338 with a 378 on base percentage and slugged 567 with 13 home runs and 43 RBIs and a 3.2 war. In 2022, Zips is projecting a 279 batting average, a 330 on base percentage, slugging 492, so drop-offs because Zips is obviously projecting more games played by Luis Robert, but with Robert hitting 28 homers, 88 RBIs, in a 4.7 wins above replacement season, and that is his 50th percentile projection. We've been talking about this for a while, Jim, and I think you'd even bring up the same talking point for Loy Jimenez in 2022 to, to Luis Robert. But in 2021, unlike Aloy, we saw Robert have immediate impact. And especially late in August through September, and even during the American League Division Series, you could see, wow, Robert is at a different level of talent compared to his peers within this roster. 
So for Luis Robert, I think he's got MVP potential. However, is health his biggest hurdle preventing him reaching his absolute talent ceiling? I think so. Like when you look at his game coming into last season, there was, uh, you know, he had a little bit of trouble with the fastball, a little bit of trouble, like with power stuff, kind of getting caught in between uh, lagging behind fastballs, but then getting way too out in front of breaking balls. And so seemed pretty easy to solve. And, and normally that's part of an adjustment that a hitter has to make, but sometimes you see bats that just take a while to catch with the fastballs or turn them around. And, I thought that might be like a multi-year process for him just because, you know, he's had comparatively little time in the minor leagues because of injuries there. And I thought this might be, you know, hot and cold, some stretches that work, some stretches that don't mechanics going in and out pitcher solving him, pitching him differently in and out. And that though, those concerns seem to melt away both before and after the injury, he started out hot, came back and looked no worse for the, the, the lack of where I should say with the, with the absence, the swing was shorter. It was more dangerous. Like he didn't need that, um, you know, that, that extra, um, real, real hitch and, and load mm-hmm. to hit the kind of homers and, and get the kind of exit velocity that I generated in his better moments in his, in his rookie season. So with him showing that, with him showing the ability to turn around velocity and, and still have enough control of his swing to stay back just a little bit uh, on, on slower stuff. Yeah. I mean, like you can maybe draw walks here and there. Uh, you maybe like the, the strikeout rate still a little bit high, but I don't think that's a concern, especially like in, in, in baseball in 2022 when everybody is striking out. Like I think, you know, when you, when you look at the power he produces, when you look at the, the base running, he can offer like the skills are there that where the, if the strikeouts are the, the lone uh, wart on his profile, that that's fine. So yeah, I think the way he shortened his swing alleviates my concerns about just how pitchable he can be. And now it's just a matter of his body holding up and, and, you know, that's a task for Goldie Simmons, who's the new white Sox strength and conditioning coordinator and uh, when you look at just the the off season, and you hope that um, you know the I guess everybody's had two strange off seasons in a row because they haven't been able to have contact uh, with the White Sox staff during this past winter, and then the previous winter they just had to work out by themselves for who knows how long. You know they didn't have like a real great idea of when to ramp up. So you hope that this year is normal enough to where like he doesn't have you know whatever issues that all the White Sox had in terms of just straining things uh, in, 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 in somewhat severe ways in his case. Uh, that's really the, the only obstacle I see. Yeah, the, just the potential that Robert has is really incredible. And I think health is the biggest hurdle for him because if Luis Robert could play 150 games – in 2022. And I'm not expecting Luis Robert to play all 162 games, Jim. It would be amazing if he did, but naturally manager Tony Roos is going to give Robert some days, especially with the double headers that everyone has to play in 2022. I'm expecting if the game doesn't have huge importance that Robert's going to have one of those double headers off. And maybe we see Adam Ingle or Lurie Garcia stretch out their legs and play at center field for Luis Robert. But if he plays 150 games Mm -hmm. and he plays at the level that he did in 2021, boy, that's a nine war type of player, Jim. Yes, that's MVP candidate. Exactly. And if even if Mike Trout is healthy, this may be blasphemous. 
I don't care how well Shohei Otani pitches. If Luis Robert is a nine war center fielder and he hits more than 30 home runs and he's pushing a hundred RBIs and a hundred runs scored and he's got an OPS in the nine hundreds and he's in the top 10 in that category. And he's got 150 plus weighted runs created uh, in fan graphs as far as his offensive ability. And if he's still neck to neck in a tight race with Byron Buxton in the gold glove debate in center field, that is the most valuable player in the American league. And which is why I am going to continue beating this drum, Jim, that I believe that Luis Robert is going to follow Jose Abreu and be the next MVP for the Chicago White Sox in 2022. Something clicked for Luis Robert in 2021, especially after his hip injury and that time off. And we saw him have immediate success in 2020, followed by immediate regression in the next month. So we've seen the good and we've seen the bad from Luis in 2020. And unfortunately, he had that devastating injury and he had a good start in 2021. But Maybe there's more to come. And according to Luis in spring training with the quotes that he's, you know, when he chats with the reporters and the, and the beat reporters about his performance during spring training, he's suggesting there's more in the tank and there's already a lot in the tank, Jim. Like we might be watching the most talented position player for the Chicago White Sox in our lifetime. It's funny when you mentioned Otani, I was thinking, you've had your fun, Joey Otani. Cut it out. Like, <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, yeah, yeah. even, okay, if Otani has a 45 home run, a 1.9 ERA type of season, <laughs> it's going to be tough for Luis to beat him. But no, I that's just how confident I feel about Luis Robert and his chances of winning the MVP in 2022. Yeah, well, I mean, like when you look at Otani, he was nine war between pitching and hitting. Uh, but it, it raises the question about just like if he has another season like this to where like, you know, I'm talking about Otani where he hits 40 plus homers and has a really impressive pitching line and the Angels don't do anything like. Are, you know, I'm glad that he won the MVP unanimously last year, but I just wonder if that sheen is going to wear off. Like now that they've seen it, they get used to it and just they they forget about how hard it is to accomplish. And the more people are like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, <laughs> do something else. Um, but w- when it comes to uh, when it comes to Robert and just the ceiling, yeah, it, it's. there's no reason, you know, and and this is my pessimism or my, my naturally pragmatic approach. Like, why is he going to disappoint me? Or like, why are we, why am I keeping things in check? What do I want to make sure I acknowledge in my writing? So I don't sound like too much of a fanboy and be blinded by um, just, you know, what I want to see happen versus what happens. And, you know, aside from health, you know, the improvements he's made, I think that's what's most remarkable about him is that because of his injuries, the minor leagues, and because of just, you know, how, um, you know, just unusual his timetable was for shooting up the ladder in one full season that we haven't seen him, you know, very long. And every year he's just been able to like, just knock down the doubts, you know, one after another, just, uh, okay, you got to stay healthy first. Fine. Okay. You got to be uh, disciplined enough to, you know, hit major league pitching hard. Fine. Okay. Now you got to, you know, survive a second look. Okay, great. What else you got? Like, it's just, it's very much a, he's very methodical in just how he's answering, uh, all these questions just by uh, I, I guess the, the virtue of more reps. So when you look at that, just there, he hasn't given a reason to doubt him. There, there's reason to think like, Oh, he just might have a, a cold month 
here or there for one mm-hmm. reason or another. But and naturally that happens with yeah. everyone. Yep. But I mean, just like, you know, because of his maybe uh, aggressive tendencies, it might look more pronounced than other players cold months, but there's reason to believe as long as like, it's, there's not like a thumb issue or like he hurt himself sliding again that, uh, you know, he'll figure out an answer. Like he's shown the ability to adjust, um, you know, his rookie year is like beating his head against the wall, but at the very end of the season, like he eventually took like a full month of ugly at bats before he realized what was happening. But then he answered that and, and now you just have to hold it, hope his body holds up. But yeah, there's no reason to really knock him. When you look at the way the White Sox MVP candidates typically are like, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, Frank Thomas and Jose Abreu and like Carlos Quinton, his one mm-hmm. year and, you know, Jermaine Dye had a big year, like all, all these guys who have uh, had the kind of numbers he can produce the plates, you know, Magli or Adonia is another one, just kind of either plotters or unremarkable defenders or decent defenders in a you know a position that's not really all that demanding. So to have Robert have that kind of ceiling offensively, even if he doesn't have the on-base skills yet of those players, but have the ability to play center the way he does is, yeah, this is very much um, pretty much foreign territory for the White Sox. Uh, really like the, you know, when you look at his skill set, you know, if he drew more walks, you know, he'd basically be Mookie Betts. Like that's basically what you're looking at in terms of premium defender, uh, bat to ball abilities and power and speed. Like that's what Mookie Betts does. So, I mean, like that's just, that's how close yeah. he is to being yeah. that level. And Mookie Betts is one of the few players in major league baseball to outperform a Mike Trout to win MVP. And we know the huge impact that Mookie Betts has provided to Los Angeles Dodgers since being traded from the Boston Red Sox and winning a World Series reign in 2020. So for Luis Robert, after gushing about him, let's play over under. It's been a while, Jim, since the White Sox had a position player score more than 100 runs in a season. So I'm putting the over under at 99 and a half runs scored by Luis Robert. Are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the under just because when you look at the players who have scored a hundred runs for the White Sox in uh, this century, um, the only ones who have done it in fewer than 150 games are Jose Valentin, uh, uh, Jim Tomey and Jermaine Dye. And with Valentin, that was in that record setting 2000 offense with Dye and Tomey, they were in the same lineup, you know, bashing mm-hmm. each other in uh, with Kenerko too. Just you had that, you know, uh, lineup, you know, three, four, five of just home run hitters all driving each other in if they weren't driving themselves in. And that's really hard to duplicate when you have those kind of, you know, premium seasons in a row. So I'm thinking like with Robert, if he were like, if, if he had like a, a history of durability, like I'm looking at another guy, like, you know, Juan Pierre almost scored a hundred runs one year, but he was durable. Like he was 160 games at the top of the lineup every single game, 730 plate appearances. Like he better score 90, 96 runs given how, you know, <laughs> he's stealing 68 bases and, and playing and in, in, or going to the plate 734 times. Like, right. That's That would be a, that'd be awful. If he scored like fewer than 90. Like if he had that kind of, you know, track record of Pierre's durability, then I'd say like, yeah, easy over. But mm-hmm. given that we still want to see Robert survive a grind for six months, that kind of feels like along the lines of, of asking for too much. Like, I think it, it's forgivable, just like when we talked about uh, Tim Anderson, uh, how, you know, he tends to miss games with random strains and, and, you know, twist ankles and such like that 140 games would be fine. Like, I think with Robert, I'm having the same approach, like 140 games is fine. You know, I'm just maybe 
uh, you know, kind of a, you know, one of his bad slides or uh, effort in the field or something like that, tweak something, has to miss a few weeks. Like if, if he gets out of the season with just something like that, uh, I would think that would be a great development for his part. I think it just might cost him the games to get to 100, ga- uh, 100 runs. So that's why I'm, I'm picking the under. I'm going to pick the under as well. I mean, Zips is projecting 88 runs scored for Luis Robert in 2021. I think that's an incredible total. Again, we I'm expecting Tim Anderson to have the majority of at-bats leading off for the White Sox. But I got a feeling, Jim, we could see Luis Robert be batting second or maybe even third in this lineup. Where would you put Robert in this lineup to maximize the offensive production? Because I'm seeing some spring training lineups from Tony La Russa. And again, this is spring training, so he could just be goofing around. But I'm not totally against the idea of going Anderson, Robert, and then Abreu as your one, two, three. Yeah, I, I think, you know, first or second is where I'm leaning just because, you know, just reducing it to who do you want to see come up to the plate the most this year? And that's why I would say Robert. And, and there are no benefit, or I should say no drawbacks to him batting in front of somebody else. Like he's not going to set up a double play with his speed. You know, it's not like a, you know, batting Jim Tomey first or something like that. So I, I think first or second, I think maybe the only thing that might change my mind is how Yohan Moncada looks and whether having his bat from the left side is more valuable to break up righty, righty, righty. Mm. Like if he's turning around fastballs with that left-handed swing that he had from 2019, maybe I want to see him second. And then Roberts, maybe, you know, who knows, protecting Abreu. If Abreu has to bat third, like I think I'd rather have like Robert batting third or fourth rather than like, you know, having just because of double plays too. I think, you know, Abreu grounds in a lot of double plays. Jimenez grounds into a lot of double plays. Like I, I think I'd rather have, you know, Roberts, in the mix there, just to break up that string of plotters, Abreu, uh, Jimenez, and uh, Grandal. Like, if he doesn't bat second, if Moncada looks good enough, his on-base skills are good enough to, like, get on base at a 380 clip and hit 25 homers. Like, maybe he's the guy you want batting second with that left-handed swing. But I think if he's not batting second, then I would say fourth. All right. I I, I agree with you. I think with Tim Anderson and Luis Robert, they need to have the most played appearances for the White Sox in 2022. And hopefully, again, punch a hole by the nearest wooden object. Health will not be a factor for Luis Robert in 2022. And he'll play more than 140 games this upcoming season. Jim and I will be back after a quick word from our sponsors as we continue the 2022 Chicago White Sox outfield preview, talking about the right fielders next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about right field, which I know has been the big drawing conversations, especially on social media and in comment section and on the radio and television shows when talking about the Chicago White Sox. What are they going to do in right field? And here we are a week away from opening day, and we are now continuing to ask this question, what are the White Sox going to do in right field? And for those that are watching on YouTube, uh, I've I've got the slide of characters. For those that are listening to the podcast version, right now I'm considering four players to be a factor in right field, at least the beginning of the season, Jim. Andrew Vaughn, Adam Engel, Gavin Sheets, and new guy, Adam Hazley, acquired from the Philadelphia Phillies via trade. Jim, before we even get into the projection, let's talk about right field. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the situation in right field for the White Sox? And especially in light of what Tony La Russa has also said about the situation. <laughs> well, it depends, uh, you know, what, what he said you're talking about, because uh, um, a few days ago, it was, if we're talking as White Sox fans, then we have to say that the White Sox have enough to compete with in right field because White Sox fans know that the talent is good enough. And then uh, today, or I should say Thursday, he ended up walking those back, walking uh, those comments back a little bit saying that, uh, you know, he was just expression of just that, um, you know, we can improve. Sure. um, But we like the guys we have. um, We'll figure out a rotation that gets the uh, productive players in the mix. And those comments, I don't know about you, but those comments, I think you were on a boat at the time. So you kind of, yeah, you missed the initial fear, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't that, you know, offended by it or I wasn't like, I, I rolled my eyes, but yeah, I saw Lawrence Holmes uh, kind of going off a little bit about those comments. And I just, I took them as like an acknowledgement of weakness. Like, yeah, there, there's no true Scotsman fallacy to where like uh, it's just a way yeah. to say like, uh, you know, uh, White Sox fans would never uh, say that we're weak in right field. And like, well, you know, I'm a White Sox fan and uh, I think uh, they're weak in right field. And then he's, well, no true White Sox fan. <laughs> like it's, it's that uh, approach. Like it's, it's, you know, so easy to poke holes in uh, that it's just really not worth arguing or just, it's a weak argument. And I, I, I think LaRusso wasn't, all that invested in making it. He's just somebody who says what he says. And if there's a, you know, that's one of the strengths of the manager is that if people are upset by what he says, uh, he'll get around to fixing it maybe. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't like, he'll just shrug it away. Like there's no point in getting that mad about it. So like, right. uh, I, it almost feels like letting him bait me into, uh, you know, letting my blood pressure rise. And like, that's nah, too early for that. It's spring. So I'm going <laughs> to let it slide. But 
I think overall, <laughs> like if Andrew Vaughn had an Andrew Vaughn, I guess the season Andrew Vaughn could have, like the Paul Konerko with a little bit more athleticism, you know, the not not chained to first base. I think you could feel okay about it. But I, I think to me, like the nagging feeling is like the White Sox have not let Andrew Vaughn have a normal season, a normal uh, yeah, workload, uh, normal expectations against upper level pitching of any kind. And he barely got by uh, last year, had some stretches where it looked like he might be putting it together. Then he uh, had the back problems, which might've been caused by an awkward dive. <laughs> and so to see him do it again in the outfield uh, and injure mm-hmm. his hip, like, you know, that doesn't inspire confidence. So it feels like, you know, the reason why I don't think the White Sox have enough and why I wish that they would make a, a stronger move to address it. And if they block somebody, then see what happens is that like, it just feels like it all comes down to Andrew Vaughn figuring it out on the fly. And that feels unfair to him just because we've seen the way the White Sox first round picks, whether it's, you know, Carson Fulmer or Carlos Rodon, uh, you know, uh, just guys who are fast tracked end up not getting a plan for a full season and then end up having like to, to make it up as they go along in terms of figuring out how the grind actually works and how to, uh, I guess, compensate for diminishing skills during the tiring season. So that's why I don't want to be too enthusiastic about this. I, I imagine some listeners are saying, yeah, that's, that's a stretch for you being <laughs> enthusiastic about, uh, you know, what the White Sox are throwing out there. But in this case, like this is, this is coming from a good place. This is coming from a, a, a caring mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah. having a heart for somebody who's just trying to stick in the majors. And, and that's why I think I, I really wish the White Sox did more, but you know, I can see, you know, by the all-star break saying like, I can't believe we ever thought right field is that big of a concern. Like I can't see the outcome. It's not, I would say it's like 25% likely that like nobody cares about right field by the all-star break. I could see mm-hmm. like another 50% saying like, could be better, but it's fine. You know, Jimenez and Robert are doing well enough to where like, if it's, if he's the worst outfielder, or if like, you know, he and Gavin Sheets or else is, is going out there, like that's fine. And I can see like a 25% chance where it's like uh, the last three seasons all over again, where it's just nothing's working. Guys get hurt. Guys are are taxed being put out of position. And uh, we're all left saying like, you know, watching Michael Conforto's lines and hoping that he doesn't, uh, you know, isn't a cause for regret. So that's, that's right. kind of how I look at right field. Um, and I'm just kind of pulling my, pulling those percentages out of my butt right now in terms of likelihoods, but that's kind of how it feels to me where I can see, like a great outcome out of this, even if the defense is subpar and everybody being able to look past that, just because the the numbers across the outfield are too fun to care. We talked about this in Andrew Vaughn's 2021 player review episode of what he was thrusted into because Aloy got hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to make this point because we just gushed about Aloy Jimenez possibly unleashing in 2022 and the potential that he has it 40 plus home runs. And we gushed about, wow, Luis Robert, if he can stay healthy and play 150 plus games, he's a legit American league MVP contender with Jimenez and Robert. We got to watch them have full seasons in the minor leagues. And we watched them. And even though we 
headbutted the wall and had service time manipulation arguments and complained in September's during the rebuild. Why are you not giving these guys a taste of the major leagues to help fast track their development on the major league level? Because honestly, that's where it is most important. At least Jimenez and Robert got those plate appearances in double A and triple A. And that's where we, everyone, fans, media, national media alike, knew the true potential that Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert could have based on their success in the minor leagues. Andrew Vaughn has none of that. The only track record he's got is a little bit after being drafted and Schomburg in 2020, whatever that was. And in 2021, playing out of position and learning on the fly how to hit major league pitching, a level of pitching he's never seen before. And in 2022, bless his heart, he tries to prove that he can play right field and he's athletic enough to play right field. And here we are a week before opening day, and we're not 100% sure he's going to be available in opening day because he's got a pretty nasty bruise and he's got a hit pointer. And we'll see when he comes back and we'll see if that hit pointer has any impact in his lower half when he swings the bat because that's his true value. It's just this whole Andrew Vaughn player development is not about right field. It is about how the White Sox are handling Andrew Vaughn. And Jim, I'm glad that you bring this up because I have the same concerns. The White Sox played it rightly when it comes to Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. I'd say 95%. The other 5%, I still argue... Yeah, I, I would still argue they should have played in September uh, mm-hmm. to get that cup of coffee. Uh, but at least they got those plate appearances and at least they got to see multiple levels of pitching and be able to adapt and learn and improve. The White Sox, I, I'm sorry. I think there is a great risk. They are Gordon Beckhaming, if that's an adjective. Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> I, I think there is a great risk and I think it's up to Andrew. This is 100% on Andrew's shoulders of how he's going to develop as a major leaguer. And I think this year is critical for him and he is a go-getter and he is trying to prove that put me in coach. I don't care where you put me in. I just want to play. Mm-hmm. But somebody in this White Sox organization needs to step in and think of the longer outlook here and ask the question, what are we doing? Because if he hurts himself again in right field, let's say the next time he leaps, it's a wall and he's out for a couple of weeks. Even though he's going to be batting in the bottom third of the lineup, that's an impact bat that you're losing. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're not even talking about right field. We're just talking about Andrew Vaughn. And that's where my frustration lies, that we could just be talking about Andrew Vaughn getting at bats at DH or spelling time at first base for Jose Abreu, or God forbid he goes to AAA and he figures out his swing a little bit more against AAA level of competition. But for a team that's World Series or bust aspirations, I we keep bringing this point up, but it's like, why are you taking someone who might be underdeveloped and banking your hopes that, you know what? He's going to learn how to play right field. Why? 
Why are you doing that to Andrew Vaughn? Yeah, I think I'd be more comfortable with him if he were back in left field. Um, sure. Just given the same assignment, right field. Uh, understanding the angles, understanding the slices, understanding where the walls are and, you know, I guess the way batted balls cause him to chase uh, flies in various directions. But to throw a new position on top of, of that and the injury risk that comes with unfamiliarity with positions and just his, his lack of athleticism, like the way he hits the ground when he dives for balls is – um, just like the gravity, <laughs> it's like gravity is stronger on him than it is on somebody like Luis Robert or Adam Angle. They mm-hmm. just, you know, they have the horizontal, uh, explosion in their leaps that allow them to hit the ground flatter to where one just kind of comes straight down in, in an elegant way. And the two dives, He's an and like he's, yeah, kind of just smashes into the ground. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, that, that's what makes me concerned about just throwing him in a different corner now and then having him. T- uh, try to figure out the angles and the slices and uh, whether or not to dive and when to go all out. So that's, I think, what makes us challenging. Um, but I don't have the the concerns offensively. I, I think he can figure it out. It might take him like an extra year. Like I think if he had the normal ascent up the chain, year in double A or like half season double A, half season triple A uh, before his first year in the majors, he might have one year where he struggles, but he figures it out. Like I think this is like, the way they're playing it now is like two years of struggles or two years of hot and cold or just, you know, needing mm-hmm. to be a hundred percent in order to produce. But I think the swings there, the strike zone adjustments are there. Um, and just the knowledge of the strike zone to where I'm not that concerned that he can't be productive. It's just more or less like the, the, the kind of production that's fine, but not like third overall pick uh, ceiling, not, not Jose Abreu heir apparent ceiling, just more or less fine and hoping that like, just by sheer reps against the best pitching in the world, eventually he'll catch up to it. The reason why we're talking about Andrew Bond so much and right field is taking a look at the 2022 zips projections and using these four players again. And for those that are screaming, what about Mike Rodolfo? We'll get into that in a moment. But out of these four players, Andrew Vaughn, Adam Engel, Gavin Sheets, and Adam Aisley, these four combined are just having a 2.9 war combined out of these four players. Now, you may think maybe Tony the Russo could platoon these guys or play them in the right way so they can get close to having three war production in right field. Well, for Andrew Vaughn, Zips is projecting a two four a two forty five batting average, a three twenty five on base percentage, slugging four twenty nine, and that is not that much better than what Yoan Makata slugged in two thousand twenty one for the White Sox, and it would pose a lot of questions in two thousand twenty three if that was Andrew Vaughn's slugging percentage of where's the power. And Zips is projecting eighteen home runs for Andrew Vaughn and only forty eight RBIs. For Adam Engel, a drop-off in offensive production because of the amount of injury that Engel has suffered. Zips is projecting a 240 batting average, a 295 on base percentage, slugging 407 with nine home runs and 28 RBIs. Gavin Sheets. Now we'll get to Sheets in a moment, but I think most of this playing time is projected to be at designated hitter, not necessarily right field. But Zips is projected a 256 batting average for Sheets with a 311 on base percentage, slugging 459 with 20 home runs and 69 RBIs. Zips likes Gavin Sheets more offensively than Andrew Vaughn. And then the new guy, Adam Hazley. Zips is projecting just 
13 games played for Adam Hazley, hitting a woeful 242, 301, 370 slash line. So hopefully Adam Hazley does not get a lot of playing time, but we'll get to that in a moment. But with Andrew Vaughn, we've already talked a lot about Andrew Vaughn, the player. Should we consider Andrew Vaughn the primary right fielder, Jim, going into 2022? Seems like it. Um, you know, would I consider him the primary right fielder if I, you know, were in charge? No, or I'd try not to, <laughs> but I think given the talent on hand and given just what the White Sox have invested in him, and also just given how he's looked at times, like when he's at his best and and brought along, like it seems like he will be given the shot. What I wonder is like, if he struggles, if he has the, um, you know, whether it's injury, whether it's not, whether it's just, you know, he looks like a platoon bat against left-handed pitching, do the White Sox send him down? Like, will they, I guess they, they never did it with Gordon Beckham. And I think mm-hmm. that was, you know, one of the mistakes there is just that they felt so committed to him after that rookie season to where uh, sending him down would be a failure. But in this case, they could easily justify it. They can say like, well, he's actually never had AAA experience. So this will be new for him. This won't be an insult. This will be just finishing him in the way that the circumstances did not allow the previous two years. Um, just, I guess what that rope would look like, but I, I am somewhat bullish on his ability. If he's healthy, it just my my concern is just like when you throw in his, uh, what he needs to to accomplish at the plates with learning a new position yet again that could hurt him. That's when I get a little bit uh, pessimistic. But you know, looking at his ability at the plate as a hitter, um, the confidence he showed, um, I think the bat is there to be a decent primary right fielder in this outfield where we're expecting big things from Jimenez and Robert. All right, so let's play over under with these cast of characters, starting with Andrew Vaughn. Over under 17 and a half home runs, Jim, in 2022. I'm going to say over, and I feel fairly confident about that because he hit 15 homers uh, last year, but that was only over a stretch of 82 games between his first and last homer of the season. He didn't hit a homer for like the first month and a week uh, of the season, and then he didn't hit a homer over his last month and a half because of the back problems he had. Uh, but like when he was compromised both by, you know, sheer inexperience and then physical problems later, that's the only thing that kept him from like hitting the ball out of the park with enough regularity to get to like 20 homers with ease. So that's why I think giving him like a full year, uh, to where like, you know, maybe they will have a right fielder like Adam Engel, who's finally healthy to take the stress off Vaughn and, and, you know, and not need him to play every game in right field, the way that the situations dictated that he needed to play every day and left uh, last year makes me think like they can nurse him well enough to be healthy enough and functional enough to get over 20 homers with relative ease. Like I would say like my over underline would be like 23. Hmm. Okay. So you're, would you go over 23 and a half? No, I, yeah, I guess I would say like, uh, would not go over that. But I'd say like my, okay. yeah, I, I would keep saying over until like 23, 24. Got it. All right. I, I hope for his sake, Andrew Vaughn hits 20 plus homers for the White Sox in 2022. Again, he's batting the lower third of the lineup. So you have another 20 plus home run guy batting seven, eighth or ninth in your lineup. That is a fantastic uh, attribute for any potent offense in major league baseball. That would be a huge boost for the White Sox. I fear this is under 
And if it's some type of combination of it's just not the hip pointer that there are more back issues or he misses more games due to injury. Again, Jose Abreu is a free agent after this season. I like to see Andrew Vaughn have a big season to suggest that maybe it will be a difficult decision for Rick Hahn to not bring back Jose Abreu because Andrew Vaughn is truly ready to take the mantle and take the torch at first base and replace the type, the level of production that Jose Abreu has produced throughout his entire White Sox career. If he doesn't get this over, Jim, I think Jose Abreu is going to have to come back because Andrew Vaughn is not ready to take over for him. Yeah. All right. Moving to Adam Engel. You want to talk about pessimism? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this over under. 50 and a half games for Adam Engel. Are you going over or under? I'm going over, but as a defensive replacement. Okay. I think he's going so, to get there like, like a, a sneaky backdoor over. This guy's beat up. I didn't even know about the labrum problem until he arrived in spring training and said he had shoulder surgery. Like we do about the hamstring problems, but you also had a torn labrum dude. Like, wow, you are, you are really beat up. I hope he's healthy and I will keep saying this. I hope Adam Engel is healthy. I know that there are a few Adam Engel supporters within the white Sox community. And they are rooting for this guy and believe this guy could be an everyday major leaguer. I hope he's healthy. If he's healthy, I think Tony the Roos is going to give him an opportunity to prove his worth because a Adam Engel in right field helps the White Sox defense in outfield a lot because we now know that Luis Robert can over and can shadow more towards left field because he's got Adam Engel in right field, another center fielder that can help with the right center field gaps. And of course, take care of everything that sit down the right field line. Again, I'm going to just keep saying this. I hope Adam Engel is healthy because if he is, I think he should get the majority of playing time in right field because of the defensive floor. If he's not healthy, well, we may see this guy, Gavin sheets play in right field. And boy, uh, I'm uneasy about Andrew Vaughn playing right field. I am very uneasy about Gavin Sheets playing in right field, Jim, for the White Sox in 2022. We haven't seen a lot of it in spring Mm -hmm. training. Uh, And I think majority of these projections, and I think the majority of Sheets' playing time in 2022 is going to be at DH, and rightfully so. The White Sox could still use more left-handed power and Sheets is definitely going to get a lot of plate appearances if he's getting those DH uh, at bats for the White Sox, especially early facing so many right-handed starting pitchers. So for Sheets over under, I'm putting this at 19 and a half home runs. Are you going to go over or under for Sheets? Well, I kind of wrestled with this one from my playing time standpoint, just thinking like, is there a way he can kind of get squeezed out of the lineup? Right now he's got an avenue towards DH playing time pretty clearly. Um but I was thinking like, is there, you know, a late season addition they can make, you know, will he be able to survive a cold snap early on or will he be sent down to the minors? Will they call for somebody like Jake Berger instead? And just kind of wrestling it around and, and thinking like, oh, maybe he'll end up around 15 homers and like over the course of like 70 something games. And then he turned around a Hunter Green fastball, 99 miles per hour in tonight's game <laughs> against uh, the Reds and thinking like, no, the, the, the adjustments he made, 
last year were too good. Like it, it was just, you know, like talking about Luis Robert and the way like his swing looked, um, mm-hmm. you know, just how much shorter and more dangerous it looked against velocity. Like Sheets had the same thing, but in reverse, like Sheets had no problem with fastballs. It was just, he gets uh, basically like bored to death with slow stuff. Just, you know, keep uh, throwing slow curves and change-ups and just, he could not stay back long enough to either, uh, you know, swing over the top of it or just kind of uh, tap it in the ground or pop up weakly. But he finally started getting the timing down, started feeling like he could fend off those pitches, figured out how to spoil them more. And the second uh, stint that he had with the White Sox was exactly what you'd want to see Gavin Sheets look like. So with that and with him still looking, and this is like another crazy spring training like uh, you know, uh, performance we're seeing and just the, these moments that everybody looks amazing uh, offensively to think like, just is, am I buying into this? But like, I think he can cover the array of major league pitching effectively enough to hang at DH, especially if the White Sox aren't going to make significant additions until the trade deadline to where I think you can get to 20 homers over the course of the season. So that's another case where he had, I would say like, by 25, I might start getting itchy uh, about the over, but I think he can clear 20 because uh, he got to double digits and I think only 54 games last year. And that was with struggles. And that was with being a little bit, uh, uh, you know, having weaknesses pitchers could detect. And, and the second time around, those weaknesses were closed. I think one answer to this question is, Sure, he'll hit over 19 and a half home runs, but for what team? Hmm. I still think he'd be a good fit for Oakland. And I would just keep harping on this for Oakland. You traded Matt Olson away. Gavin Sheets has a lot of player control still. I understand that you are asking for everyone's 2021 first round pick, which is a very interesting strategy rebuilding wise but you still need guys to play positions in the major league team while you figure out your whole stadium fiasco. And that is a ticking clock for the Oakland athletics. If they don't figure it out by 2024, they're going to start losing revenue sharing from the other teams. So they will be figuring it out before 2024, if they're staying in Oakland or they are moving to Las Vegas. But I just feel like in a Sean Mania hypothetical trade, mm-hmm. like I get, wants to go young but i still feel like gavin sheets would be a great fit for oakland if he's still with the white Sox, i'm gonna say under just based on the quotes from tony la Russa, again taking his words with a spoonful of salt but if tony wants to use the dh role to allow the regulars to get time off their feet I could see where if sheets is sitting like 250 and he's hovering around a 300 on base percentage He's still flashing some power, but a lot of his, you know, game lines are one for four or over four. I could see come June and July, a lot of those plate appearances for sheets at DH start to dwindle because yes, money is getting more at bats at DH or Aloy Jimenez is getting more at bats at DH and Gavin sheets is the bench bat. Uh, for the white Sox in late situations against a high leverage righty reliever to try to hit a pinch hit home run uh, in those types of games. So that's why I'm going to go under because with the White Sox, while he may get a lot of plate appearances early, I just don't know how many player appearances he's going to have in the second half, especially if Larusa wants to use the DH role as a revolving door. However, mm-hmm. 
if Sheets were to get traded before the deadline in July, I think as the player himself, I would go over if he gets an opportunity to play for someone like Oakland. So with Oakland, you said like that they want everybody's a 2021 first round pick. So would you rather trade for a Sean Manaya, a Colson Montgomery or a Gavin Sheets? Dang. Hmm. We have complained for so long that the White Sox can't develop left-handed power. Mm-hmm. Gavin Sheets could be that left-handed power bat. And he's also a nice insurance plan. If Andrew Vaughn doesn't pan out, but to give up on Colson McGovery so early. And again, he's the box that you don't know what's in it, but you mm-hmm. want the box. You're still not sure what it is. I think out of those two, man, that is such a difficult, difficult question. I, I, it would be painful, but I would, I would move sheets for Minaya. I would lean probably Montgomery. Okay. Just because, you know, th- thinking of the outcomes, like I'm thinking like if Sheets uh, turns into like another Marcus Semyon, and just in terms of like offensive capabilities, like Semyon, the, the thing that stung was that he had to be a very good shortstop as well. They put in the work to make him a, a great player on the left side of the infield, not just the second baseman. So I think that's what made that sting. Uh, with Sheets, I think, you know, they're not going to turn him into a uh, plus outfielder the way that Semyon became a plus shortstop. So I don't think it would, it would hurt in that way, but if he hit like 30, 35 homers and was a decent Matt Olson replacement, at least offensively, uh, making nothing for a few years, and Montgomery just kind of languishes the way that sometimes prep picks can, uh, and the White Sox are in this window where like immediate production trumps everything right now because they're trying to capitalize on this window and have depth to replace. Uh, you know, like in a vacuum, I would say like you know, trade sheets keep Montgomery, but I think for this team given that they could use some left-handed bats to uh, guard against like Chris Bassett's and Lance McCullers of, of uh, uh, postseason rotations, like you see. And, you know, like you mentioned with Andrew Vaughn uh, being a question, you know, perhaps with his production or health, depending on what he does in right field. Um, I think for this team, I think I'd rather see them keep sheets just because, it would seem like I, I'm just working backwards from like, how could the White Sox regret this? And I would just see like, oh, they mm-hmm. could really use that kind of bat right now versus, you know, Montgomery looking fine or looking okay, but still need another year to make his skills all come together. Like uh, th- th- it's very important for the White Sox to capitalize on these next few years. And I think Sheets helps that. Whereas Montgomery, who knows? And, and that's no knock on him. It's just more a matter of like what the White Sox need to really capitalize and turn themselves into like a financial monster in the central. That's what, that's what I want to see. And I think sheets helps that more than Montgomery uh, in the, in this bigger picture. All right. It's a tough, it's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, I could see it either way. Like I, I, I would uh, not like either of those guys being traded for what it means to the white Sox, but just in terms of like registered pain, I think sheets would feel more acute and um, yeah, it just, that, that's my gut feeling, but it'd be interesting that that's when we should throw out to the, uh, to the rabble. Uh, yeah. When we're, when we're touting this. Absolutely. We'll be throwing it out as far as on Twitter and definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts as well in the comments section on the post on socksmachine.com or even in the YouTube comments as well. For those that are watching the video, who would you rather trade in a hypothetical deal for Sean Benaya, Gavin sheets or Colson Montgomery. Finally, let's talk about the new guy. 
I had enough Wi-Fi when this trade broke, Jim. <laughs> Adam Hazley joins the White Sox. The positive, former top 10 pick. That's the positive. Uh, the negative, as soon as he grabbed a wood bat, all of the power that he demonstrated in Virginia was gone. Hmm. And he hasn't displayed any power in any level of the minor leagues. He's hit five home runs, I believe, at the major league level in his cup of coffees with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was the opening day center fielder for the Phillies, but Joe Girardi didn't like him. Uh, and he left the team only to return to the team and play like 40 some games in AAA where he slugged below 300. I made the joke that, ladies and gentlemen, a right fielder when the White Sox traded for Adam Hazley. Clearly, he is just quadruple A level of depth. Somebody mm -hmm. needs to play in the outfield for the Charlotte Knights. And I'm expecting Adam Hazley to have that role, very similar to someone like Charlie Tilson. So the over-under for Hazley, however, and I bring this point up because six White Sox players in 2021, Jim, played 10-plus games in right field. Do you want to take a stab on who led the White Sox in games played in right field in 2021? See, I would think Brian Goodwin, but the way you phrase that made me think it's like Jake Lamb. Adam Eaton. Mm. Adam Eaton, who was cut in July, led the White Sox in appearances in right field in 55 games. So no one... Makes sense, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I just forgot might... about him completely just... Putting him out of my mind. Yeah. Uh, Brian Goodwin was second with 43 games. Louis Garcia played 34 games in right field. Andrew Vaughn played 18 games. Gavin Sheets played 13 games. And Adam Engel played 10. Jake Lamb had nine games. Danny Mendick played eight games in right field. I forgot Luis Gonzalez even played games for the White Sox in 2021. And he appeared in three games. I bring this up because there was a lot of people especially on social media, they were angry at me that I was joking around that Adam Hazley could possibly be the opening day right fielder for the White Sox. It's very highly unlikely, especially if Eduardo Rodriguez is the opening day pitcher for the Detroit Tigers on opening day against the White Sox. Hazley is not facing a left-handed starter. But I put this over under at 10 and a half games appearing with the White Sox in 2022, Jim. Because I do believe we are going to see Adam Hazley play games for the White Sox this season. With the amount of players that we saw and all the faces we saw, man, the position in 2021. I still think it's under, but it is above zero that we'll see Adam Hazley with the White Sox mm -hmm. in 2022. How do you feel about his addition to the team? And are you going over under 10 and a half games with the White Sox this season? Well, once I saw that Blake Rutherford was the guy designated for assignment to make room for him on the 40-man roster, I think it was just Rick Hahn seeing a way to upgrade that roster spot. Like Blake Rutherford not going to crack a White Sox roster in any meaningful way. Like he, you know, he can't lift the ball. He can't uh, play a center field. He doesn't steal the base. Like there's no use for him in the major leagues in his current form. And, you know, just I think the White Sox tried a lot of different things to try to get him to tap into it. But when you have a sub 700 OPS at Charlotte, I think that's a case where um, it just, it's, you know, the, the writing was on the wall. So I think they looked at Hazley and said like, well, if he's right, he can play center. 
He can turn an occasional pitch around. He can have a tough at bat against righties. Um, if we needed him to come up, we would know how to play him, uh, maybe. Uh, and, and given that he has two options left and Rutherford only had one, just it was a way to upgrade that spot and buy some time for Yoelki Cespedes or Oscar Colas. If they, you know, like Cespedes looks great. Another, another spring training <laughs> revelation mm-hmm. that, uh, I don't have no idea how to gauge. Like that's like, I think I could take like, you know, Jimenez is spring more seriously. If like a guy like Yoelki Cespedes wasn't having like the same spring. So that's why I just don't know what to make of all these great numbers, but, uh, I think he just provides some padding in between like Cespedes being called up or having to be added to the roster. Um, the thing with him is just like, he had a crisis of confidence. Like I think, I don't think it was a Joe Girardi thing. It seemed like it was a struggles and he had like a groin injury in spring and such like, and I think he was just off. And then he, he ended up taking that leave of absence and he still won't talk about it, which makes me think like, it's, it's significant. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it registered, uh, you know, and it rattled him a little bit. So, you know, just you know, with those things, you just have to, uh, you know, give them space and time and, and, you know, hope that for the person, you know, he, he gets past it, uh, you know, whatever it takes. Um, but when you look at that kind of thing, you know, just maybe a change of scenery helps him a little bit. Um, but mostly I just saw it as a way like, well, Blake Rutherford is reaching into the line. Adam Hazley has two options. He can play center this extends that line for that particular roster spot. Like I, I didn't think there's any greater ambition to it. Just more like, Hey, let's, um, you know, let's trade a paperclip for a, um, <laughs> trying to think of the next step, like for like a, a cardboard coaster or something like, that. like just, you know, like, you know, one of those uh, swapping, uh, you know, examples, like, for, you know, like, you know, Rick Hahn did that with Gordon Beckham. Like he went from, uh, you know, Beckham to uh, Yancy Almonte to Tommy Canely, but then to Blake Rutherford. Like he just, you know, he, he was able to like make these little trades that were mounting more and more. And then, you know, uh, he flew too close to the sun and Blake Rutherford happened. Uh, in this case, like it's, it kind of strikes me as the same thing. Like, oh, maybe start over again. And, you know, uh, you know, they went from one, two, three, zero. So now he's going from zero to one with Adam Hazley. And, you know, perhaps he taps into that, you know, diminished first round talent to where he's not a starter, but he's somebody who fills in. You can be an Adam Angle type um, if Angle gets hurt and nobody minds him being around for that very limited role. But um, I would say like, you know, for the, you know, the over under that you have of 10.5 games, I would just say more because it's White Sox in right field. (laughs) That's mainly it. Uh, They, they like having multiple Adams around. So yeah. There you go. Uh, it, it's it's no real comment on him. Like I hope that's under, just because that means the White Sox have talent. Like you know, part of me hopes it's over because that means like, oh, he's he's past his, uh, you know, his 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 dark period, and now he's back to being you know, have, being able to find a niche on a major league roster. But I hope it's it's under just because that means like. Adam Engel's healthy enough. And that, that's really what this roster spot comes down to. But because with Adam Engel and Larry Garcia, there's no need for an Adam Hazley. So I'm hoping for under, but because the White Sox and right field and, and always your fears of that position always seem to materialize because, you know, the White Sox really don't put an effort into solving it once and for all that I'm going to say over just because uh, there could be just a bad three weeks where he's necessary. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope. Uh, other than Adam Hazley and the four guys so we talked did about, did you give right your over under? Uh, yeah, I, I I went with under. Okay. 
I was hoping it doesn't come to him playing more than 10 and a half games. It's above zero. So for the White Sox fans that think there's no way that Adam Hazley is appearing in 2022, I disagree with you. I do think we'll see Adam Hazley at some point with the White Sox in 2022, just because of the amount of guys that played right field last year. And we mentioned these four, and there are those that are big Mike Adolfo fans or maybe trying to speak it into existence of him breaking out with the White Sox because his profile is so intriguing. But the clock is ticking before opening day. He has no options left. It's going to be an expanded roster to 28 players, at least for the first month of the 2022 season, Jim. Do you think we'll see Mike Rodolfo and a follow-up to that question, anyone else that we should also be considering that we could possibly see in right field for the White Sox in 2022? Well, yeah, I mentioned Larry. <laughs> I think he's always a threat to play right field because Tony La Russa loves him. Yes. Uh, Indeed. Some Garcia in that spot. So that's that. I, I think I would maybe think he's probably the uh, most likely candidate to have like the second most played appearances in right field. Like I think Andrew Vaughn's first, but I could see Garcia sneaking in there somehow because Gavin Sheets is more valuable as a DH and Adam Angle's not healthy enough. So Garcia becomes that guy uh, just by default. And, and, you know, we're in that same position that the White Sox have been in two Octobers in a row, but Adolfo, I think he's, you know, another guy having a powerful spring <laughs> looking at the White Sox uh, spring training stats. And yeah, it's like you have to like scroll down to get below 500 for slugging percentages, even in small samples. Like it's just a lot of random homers from guys who, uh, you know, just are possibly good. Like, you know, Jake Berger and Romy Gonzalez, mm-hmm. like all these guys who just might have something, but you don't know. Like Adolfo is one of those guys. It just doesn't seem like it's the right fit. I can see him breaking camp with the club just to buy the White Sox some time. May as well keep him around if he can, because, you know, I I think it's a case where if injury were to strike early, you know, in the first three weeks of the White Sox being able to carry 28 players, you'd rather have Adolfo there than Adam Hazley. You want to see Hazley try to get back to what he was in AAA and force the issue himself. You'd rather have Adolfo there just if you want all talent on hand. You know, I think you, you break camp with him. Uh, but, you know, should it be a case where just like he's not getting plate appearances, maybe the White Sox just try to like look at roster situations and see like if there's an opportune time to try to sneak him to Charlotte, like thinking like try to figure out the teams that are most likely to claim him and see like, well, they just claim this guy. Maybe they won't claim Adolfo now. Uh, I don't think it's how it works, but I think that just could be trying to like, uh, well, it, it's kind of like in Star Wars where they try to you know get away from the uh, Star Destroyer in the garbage field. Yes. Oh, <laughs> great like, call. See, yes. <laughs> I could see like them looking for the same thing. Like, here's our chance. Like, a bunch of you know, names hitting on the spot at one time. Like, uh, you know, but I, I don't think it, it quite works that way. <laughs> but just uh, if, if he breaks camp uh, or, or like if he doesn't break camp with the White Sox, if they try to do it then, with the two extra roster spots, it makes it very easy for a lot of teams to find room for him somehow. But I think if they wait until rosters condense, that might be the better opportunity for them to see if they can win a numbers battle, especially like if in the limited sample Adolfo plays, like if he goes like one for 10 with seven strikeouts, maybe that's enough to say like, oh, he's a bigger project than we thought. And the White mm-hmm. Sox can get like basically a fifth option. Well, if he is let go, I, I'm wondering if the rebuilding teams give Adolfo an opportunity to join their major league roster. And 
and get some plate appearances. But again, the White Sox are World Series or bust. And the schedule is not as tough in April as it is in May and June, but it definitely turns up in difficulty in May and June. I just don't see Adolfo having staying power with the 2022 Chicago White Sox, but I could be wrong. Maybe he has an April like Yuri Mercedes had. And you got to keep him in the lineup because he's constantly hitting for you. And uh, we'll see if Adolfo does develop any type of staying power for the White Sox in 2022. But that will do it for this season preview of the Chicago White Sox for the upcoming 2022 season. Thank you to everyone that watched on youtube.com slash Sox Machine or listened on the podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcasts, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and even Amazon Music as well. You can follow us on Sox Machine. You can follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. And whether you are new to Sox Machine or a longtime lurker of Sox Machine, you can help support us by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash socks machine where our patreon supporters they get more they get exclusive content they get every versions of both the podcast and the website and they get the first opportunity to purchase new socks machine swag we have monthly plans starting at just two dollars a month and annual plans that save you nine percent you can sign up at patreon.com slash socks machine the socks machine podcast is a production of socksmachine.com your home for all things chicago white Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com